The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about European privacy and how it's different from American privacy and in the United States. So we are just thrilled to have this wonderful guest who I happen to meet, and you met him too, in the International Association of Privacy Professionals annual annual international conference of privacy professionals and we met this wonderful attorney actually at the privacy bash and he is from austria his name is reiner kieran he is an attorney from austria he specializes in privacy law he studied law in vienna and graz australia Austria, as well as Paris, France, and after internships with the European Commission in Brussels and the Fag Benson in London, he was admitted to the bar in 2000 and started as a junior partner with Schoenair Attorneys at Law in Vienna, Austria, which I got a kick out of talking to him because my my grandparents were from Vienna, Austria. In the same year, he published the first edition of the Handbook on Data Privacy, second edition in 2012, and this explains how to handle data protection regulations in daily business life in Europe, and especially it's written in German as well. Later on, uh, Reiner was invited to get co-published at uh, co-publisher of the largest Austrian legal commentary on data protection, and he co-published a commentary on the 2010 amendments of the Austrian Data Protection Act, as well as commentary on the public sector information law. And he's regularly published in Austrian and international law journals, and he's interviewed by newspapers, TV, radio stations, all on privacy issues. He's a frequent speaker at business events and conferences, and he leads privacy seminars. And you can find out more about him and the great work that he does, and I'm going to spell it for you, and at www.preslmayr.at. And you can find out some of his, see his pa- the papers he's written and find out more about him. 
He was one of the first certified experts for the European Privacy Seal Euro Prize, and he is a member of the Privacy Task Force of the ICC in Paris, and he's a member of the Scientific Community of Legal Review on IT and Data Protection Law, and a member of the Advisory Board of the Austrian IT Law Symposium. Lots more about him, but I want to get talking to him, and we're so thrilled that you're joining us all the way from Austria. So thanks a lot so much. I sure appreciate it, Reimer. Yeah, hello, Marie. It's nice to be able to talk to you and give you this interview from Austria. It's fun, <laughs> especially we just met just a short time ago. So t- tell us about the differences between privacy laws in Europe and the United States. Yeah, there are a lot of differences. For example, um, even the name is different. In the U.S., you talk about privacy, and in Europe, we talk about data protection. Uh, but in the end, we mean the same. Um, and then there is a quite different approach um, uh, from um, the side how the laws are posed, um, because in the U.S., you have quite a sector-specific approach. So I learned in the conference in Washington that you have particular um, qualifications for children online uh, protection, the COPPA Act, or um, for protection of banking data um, and credit card information. Uh, so it's always um, specific on one sector. Um, and the difference in Europe is um, we have a quite comprehensive approach, um, meaning that we have usually um, one law in each country which regulates all the sectors. So there is a basic principle of data protection, a data protection act, um, that is applicable to all sectors. I mean, we have some sectors where we, in addition, probably have some particular specific laws, but in principle we have one data protection act in each country in Europe to regulate the privacy issues. So that's right. one of these big differences. Yeah? So um, each of your, each of your uh, countries has its own data protection commissioners too, right? Don't you have a commissioner? Um, yes, yes. Each country has a, a privacy commissioner, um, and the laws should be um, quite similar because in principle there is a directive from the European Union which is the basis for all these laws and the basis to establish all these data protection commissioners. The directive was passed in 1995, so it's quite old now, and that's the reason why in Europe now uh, we're talking for a new data protection regulation on the EU level, which is, is more comprehensive um, and a newer one, and we can talk about that later on the details of that. So the fact that um, most of the European countries and I think Australia and New Zealand, right, they all, and Canada, all have similar laws and, and commissioners so that it's easier to do business uh, within the European Union, correct, in terms of privacy issues? Um, easier is it's a good question. I mean, um, if, if in particular, for example, to speak about Austria, we have a quite a formal approach for data protection. So whenever you are... Um, processing data for a company, you may need to think about if you have a notification duty on what you're doing. So what in Austria we are typically doing for companies as uh, lawyers in data protection field, we make notification for the data processing they're doing. So this is one difference. Um, And another difference is 
um, that, for example, if you want to transfer data outside of the European Union, say I have an Austrian company and it's a daughter company of a U.S. corporation and the U.S. corporation would like to have the customer data or the employee data of the Austrian subsidiary, um, then there is typically the question, are they allowed in Austria to transfer this data to the U.S. mother company? Um, and often we end up asking the Austrian Data Protection Commissioner for a prior approval for the transfer. So we cannot just transfer data from Austria from Europe to the U.S. Um, and we have to think if, if we need to do some application approval procedures. The only solution where we are not, uh, do not have to do this is under this safe harbor regime. I'm sure you have been talking about this safe harbor regime in your show in earlier recordings. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But in terms of um, if you are a member of the European Union, so if you want to transfer data within um, the European Union, let's say you're doing business in France, um, if you're an Austrian company doing business in France or a, a French company doing business in Austria, your laws are pretty much similar with regard to data transfer. Is that right? Yeah, then it's easy. So in, within Europe, it's um, quite easy to transfer data. So if I'm allowed to transfer this customer data because like the customer has given his consent or I have another legal basis, then I do not need any formal approval or something or uh, registration to transfer this data within Europe because the basic uh, concept of this EU comprehensive approach is that in principle all the countries in the EU uh, have the same level of data protection which is a quite high one so you can freely transfer the data within the EU so we have a, a free flow of data within the European Union in all 28 countries so this is a big advantage. Yes, yes. So um, I Tell us about some of the particular uh, issues that, of privacy in Austria. Yeah, um, I already talked about one of these particular issues that we um, have this quite formal approach of notification duties of prior approval. So what, um, as I said before, my daily business as a lawyer is um, that we make these notifications and ask for approvals um, um, for data transfers. Um, this could be, for example, as I said before, we want to transfer data to a U.S. mother company or an international corporation decides that uh, we want to have um, our corporate server uh, placed in India because um, workforce is cheaper there. We cannot just do this with the Austrian data. No, we have to ask for prior approval by the Austrian Data Protection Authority for that. Right. And one, in, and one interesting thing in Austria is um, that we have a human right on privacy, which yes. is, I think, not very common. So in our um, Data Protection Act, there is the first article, and this article uh, is on the level of a constitutional law, so like constitution, um, and it says that every person in Austria has a right to privacy, and this is protected on a constitutional level, so on a very high level. Yes. So we, you know, and uh, we have several states, I think there's uh, seven or 15 states that have privacy in their state constitution. So California, for example, has that okay. in, in our uh, also 
but our federal constitution, our U.S. Constitution, does not actually have the word privacy. But the California Constitution says that every California citizen has a right to privacy. It's right in the beginning, like you have as well. How about? Um, I think a lot of people don't understand about the difference between um, opt in and opt out. You know, I know you spoke a few minutes ago about consent. And let's talk about consent, because consent is very different in the European Union, and I would imagine in in Austria, than it is in the United States. We've got that whole patchwork quilt of, of, you know, sector privacy law, but we also really focus on opt-out. And let's kind of explain to my audience how it's diff- how that is really different from the European Union. Yeah, the European Union approach is that consent simply means, means an opt-in. So consent is not that you can use the data and give the customer an opt-out possibility. No, you really have to ask him before you use his data, like for marketing issues, for an uh, opt-in. So you really have to ask him, okay, you are my customer, can I use your data for example, to send you um, an email with uh, uh, some advertising or to give you a call. For example, cold calling is forbidden in Austria, it's quite strictly forbidden, and you need uh, a prior consent of the person to be able to call him. There's only um, one issue where you can use the opt-out construction. This is when you already have a person who is your customer and you told the customer, listen, you are my customer, you bought the product, um, I've got your email and I might be sending you um, some commercials in the future where I email and then you get an opt-out solution. So this is the only possibility with email um, advertising that there is an opt-out, but in all other cases it's always opt-in. And even there it's quite interesting because this week I learned that, for example, if you use health data um, in Belgium, in Belgium opt even needs uh, means a, a, a written consent, meaning the patient needs to really give his signature in written for the consent. Wow, yeah. uh-huh. very very strict. Yeah. yeah. How about um, how about for health data in in your country? Um, how um, how is that protected? Health data is treated as sensitive data, which means uh, that you have very limited use for it. Uh, so always needs to have consent to use it, um, which in Austria means uh, opt-in, but it can be oral. As I learned ya- last week in Belgium, it must be in written, which is even stronger. Uh, but basically, you need a lot of protection for it, and it, you have to be very careful on using it. So people <laughs> are, are quite privacy conscious there. Um, yeah, because uh, doctors make big campaigns on privacy issues there, and there was big discussion in the media, so it's a quite popular subject in the last year in Austria. Right, right. So we have, you know, HIPAA, which really is just a disclosure statute, not so much. We can't um, keep our, we we don't really even have a a right to opt out of too much in this country. I mean, uh, our data can be shared with other doctors, you know, without prior consent. Um, Mm -hmm. And and our data can be shared with certain uh, researchers and our data can be shared um, with, you know, uh, 
obviously with billing, with I, I would think that would be the same in your country too. That if if you have a doctor or a hospital that does billing, that they can share that uh, their sense, you know, their in, their personal information with the billing department. I don't think that that would probably be something that they they have to include, right? Yeah. 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 So that's that's similar. Yeah. So um, how is it to to work for a European? subsidy of a u.s corporation as a privacy lawyer in europe it, are, is that a big challenge um yes i already talked yeah. about this this work which i do as a lawyer um because it's often like in austria asking austrian authority for prior approvals for notifications and this is often a bit difficult to um, make u.s corporations understand that it's quite formal in austria so because they think okay we just start to transfer the data in our project and, uh, okay, let's have it next week. And then I have to explain to him, um, no, sorry, we need a prior approval for that. <laughs> and the authority has six months to decide upon it. And then they get crazy and say, oh, wow, how can we can have six months? We need the data next week. Oh, my so gosh. This is often a big challenge. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, I have to tell them, okay, you probably have been running the project for two years now in your corporation. And you could have asked a lawyer in Austria a year ago, and then you really would have the approval. <laughs> so it's a bit uh, a, a sort of a timing issue, um, also for them, because they always forget on, 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 on data protection privacy in Austria, and I tell them, okay, but if you go to the IEPP in Washington then for a day, then you will learn something about privacy in Europe, and you will learn that it's quite formal and that you might get this into your calculation. Or, for example, um, Works Council is um, a big issue in Austria as well as in Germany. So if you want to transfer employee data, um, then it might be that the trade union comes up and the Works Council comes up and they want to have a shop agreement on it because mm-hmm. they uh, have the right to do it. And so this could take some months to discuss it and, and sometimes just the employees say, okay, we don't want to have this data transfer because we, see, we, we don't see the point of it. We don't see the benefit for us. It's just a benefit for the U.S. corporation, but not for us, so we are against it. Uh, so this could really put you in big troubles. Yes. So, for example, um, I, had, I had a U.S. Um, hotel chain, and they wanted to establish a whistleblowing hotline all over the world, and they wanted to do in Austria. And the Austrian Works Council, they, uh, he asked the, 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 the trade union um, uh, what they think about it, and they said, we think it's a very bad idea to have such a whistleblowing hotline going to the U.S. corporation. We're completely against it, and so the, the message back from the employee, uh, <laughs> employees was, we don't want it, so you can't apply this. Uh, and then the U.S. corporation came to me and said, okay, but under Sarbanes Oxlack, we need to have it, so it's a big problem for us. Yeah, when the uh, when the so laws are in, yeah, when the laws are in, that, and in the end we found a solution um, with the works council and it worked out fine. But it was half a year of struggling on that. Yeah, yeah. big negotiations going on, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so once you apply, I mean, is it kind of political? I mean, can they when you apply, they can they can deny it and make you yeah, run they around? Yeah, can deny and, it. So if if they really don't like it, they can could deny it. Usually, what happens um, that they might want some changes or some explanations or discuss it, and then you try to explain it to them. So this is then lawyers work to. Uh, get the maximum from it, but I had one case where 
the U.S. corporation just said, okay, uh, you know, we want all these employee data um, in full because we want to edit this data in the U.S. And then the Austrian authorities said, but what does editing mean? I mean, you have like 2,000 employees, uh, all the data transferred to yes, and your explanation is that you want to edit the data. But <laughs> And explain what does it mean? <laughs> and they said, uh, we just want to edit it, so that's it. Uh, and they didn't give an explanation. And in, in the end, they said, okay, we don't understand what you want to do. We just deny <laughs> what oh. you want, and you cannot do it. Yeah. And then so we had to restart the, the, the proceeding weeks later with a better argument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you now, does, does that commission, your privacy commission, do they have authority, enforcement authority in terms of if a company in your um, a, a company in Austria is violating some privacy issue? Do they have authority to to take action or file a lawsuit or what exactly happens over there? Is it like our Federal Trade Commission or does it have um, what kind of enforcement authority does it have? Yeah, it's, it's in fact the competence is split it's between this authority and the local district authority. So the data protection authority, uh, they can come into your company, make investigations, look into your data, into your computers, and then they might say, might, uh, say in the end that you are not allowed to do this any, anymore. So they really can give you an order of, to deny what you're doing, which might be a big problem but they have no fining power, so you, they cannot impose a fine on you. Um, oh. This power lies with the local district authorities. I, I don't know why it's a bit bizarre, um, because it could be like a really uh, small local community authority that in the end put the fine on you. Huh, interesting. What if yeah. somebody, let's say um, an employee had a uh, complaint uh, do they go to the Data Protection Commission or do they go to the Privacy Commissioner? What do they do and then what would happen? Um, they would typically go to the Data Protection Authority, uh, sending them an email or giving them a call complaining about their company, and then they would start an investigation, which usually starts with a letter saying, okay, we got the complaint from some of your employees, um, and they, he told us that this and that is not uh, unfair or correct or whatever. Um, you've got two weeks to answer uh, the letter and give us some ideas what your opinion is. And then if you can write something very good back, then probably they stop the proceeding. Um, uh, if they think you're lying to them, that then they might come into your company and investigate. Mm. And then, um, does the does the employee have a private right of action against the company, or what? Yeah, he has. Um, but here, there's the problem that he has to do this uh, in a civil court, uh, which means he has to take the full risk of court costs and lawyers' costs. So oh, if he loses, it rarely happens. So, in, if it's an employee, he would then typically go to his works council in his company. And the Works Council could start uh, a proceeding as a Works Council against this data processing, and they would start it on the labor courts. There's a particular labor courts in Austria, and they are free of charge, and there is a very limited um, a lawyer's cost risk there. I so see. So they typically would start it there. So we, from time to time, have proceedings where the Works Council takes up privacy issues in court. 
Yeah. So you have like a winner. Uh, the the loser has to pay the fees of the of the other party. Is that is that in? in yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 We don't. Um, have I mean, that it's here. not that terrible like in the U.S. because um, we have a, um, a fixed tariff, so you can exactly calculate how much it will cost because um, it's, it's it's a tariff that says okay. Um, it depends on uh, on the amount of money you're claiming. If it's like for indemnification, um, and then you can look at the list. And okay, for like ten thousand dollars, you're claiming in court. Uh, one hour of court trial uh, will cost you um, this lawyer's cost. Yeah? So it could then be something like three hundred hours for the lawyer being an hour in court. Oh. Or if if he has to write something, then. Uh, you can look up the list and it says, okay, this will cost for that amount of money, this and that. So you really can make a calculation. So you can calculate the risk, uh, but still it could be several thousand euros uh, in the end that you might need to pay. Wow. Yeah. We don't have that here unless it's by contract, you know? So mm-hmm. that's, I mean, if you're a little guy and you're suing a big company and, um, you know, you lose, <laughs> you'd be in big trouble. Hmm. So let's talk about the uh, the case of Europe versus Facebook. Tell that story. Yeah, that's quite interesting because it's an Austrian law student, Max Schrems, and um, he has a Facebook uh, account since many years. He's much younger than a student, he's in his uh, 20s. And um, some years ago he complained in Ireland against Facebook because Ireland um, Facebook has a subsidiary in Ireland. Um, it's Facebook Limited, based in Ireland, because I think they're paying taxes there. Uh, and so as a European Facebook user, you have a Facebook contract with Facebook in Ireland. So if I open a Facebook account in Europe, it says you're opening this account with Facebook Limited in Ireland. So he said, okay, this island is part of European Union. I go there to the Irish Data Protection Authority and um, complained that Facebook didn't really give me information when I wanted to know um, uh, what they want, uh, what they uh, kind of data they process about me. And in the end, he, after some quarreling, he got all the information Facebook stores on him, um, and he got it on a, on a DVD, and he printed it out, and it was 1,200 pages of printed uh, data on him that wow. Facebook handled. And then he worked through these 1,200 pages and he found out that whenever he um, told on his Facebook page uh, to delete some data or delete some friend or delete some contact, that Facebook actually didn't really delete it because it was all in these 1,200 pages still there. Wow. So he, they, they still knew it. And so he went to the Irish Data Protection Authority saying, okay, I've got a contract here with Facebook in Europe. They should be deleting data when I ask them because European data protection law says if a customer wants the data deleted, then, then it should be deleted and they don't simply do it. And so he, he started uh, uh, this, this thing with the Irish Data Protection Authority. And it's very funny because um, in between he asked the Irish Data Protection Authority, listen, I mean, Facebook is a US company and now we have this NSA scandal. Uh, so what about NSA probably reading my data as an Austrian or European citizen? Um, and so he asked the Irish DPA, why don't you ask the European Court of Justice if, uh, if it is okay that Facebook transfers all this European data 
um, to the U.S. Safe Harbor Act to the U.S., and so it might be owned up to with the NSA. And believe it or not, this uh, hearing with the European Court of Justice was just very recent. It was on March 24, and he was there, and he was like six or seven hours in court, and it seems that the courts are a little bit great, the European Commission on Safe Harbor, so people are now really wondering um, what will happen to the Safe Harbor Agreement. Yeah, so this is one side step. Very interesting. Um, and um, not enough that he was doing things in Ireland. What he now started was a sort of a class action in a court in Austria, because he said, Listen, I live in Austria, it's part of the European Union, and there is an uh, agreement in the European Union saying that a European citizen can go to court in his hometown. So I go to court in my hometown, and in my hometown I can claim any company in Europe um, from my hometown. And so he went to the court in Vienna, his home court, yeah. and um, uh, put the court trial against Facebook in Ireland. And yeah. now it really started in Vienna. And he wants um, 500 euro per Facebook user he is representing in this class action as an indemnification. So it's about wow. $500 per person. Uh, and he put up a Facebook many, page asking people, okay, do you want to take part in this class action? And I think in two days, 25,000 people signed up. It was wow. really amazing. Wow. Well, we are just out of time. That's fascinating. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we will keep in touch. And thank you so much. You've done a great job, Reiner Kieran, from beautiful Austria. And you keep up all the great work, okay? Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minerva and KUCI.org on the net. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.